From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on a journey to the fringe. Okay, let's do this thing. Hello, welcome. Hello. Journey to the fringe. I'm Chelsea, and we have Taylor, as always, my brother here. This week, we're doing some spooky definitions. We're just taking the episode we did last week with the Warrens, and we're just running with it to do a follow-up episode on some quick definitions, not in very much detail, more just a glimpse to give you a little bit of knowledge about ghosts to get you through life these i don't know how they've made it this far without them but you'll you'll wonder too how you you made it through life without them after this it's gonna be easier for you to get through life with these just the personal satisfaction of knowing these definitions well after listening to this episode is just gonna up your quality of life that much more and you're welcome in advance yeah so i'm just gonna jump right into it we don't have anything to start off this episode this Um, one is all protein is all protein. I'm going to do some different types of ghosts. The first section I'm going to cover are human type entities. I'm going to start with just the human spirit, which is more scientifically, I guess, an intelligent or interactive haunting type entity-ish situation. So if you think of a ghost, this is probably the one that you're thinking of if you were to think of anything. Not the sheet ghost with the sheet over it, but just generally an interactive type entity, which are thought to be the souls of the deceased and sometimes friendly, sometimes not. These guys do have personality that follows them through to death, just as myself, knock on wood, were to pass on, I feel like I would bring my own sassy self into a ghost and just do a lot of shit disturbing. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking yeah, of what I could do. Okay. <laughs> so many things, because you're not necessarily yeah. attached. You will be attached to something, but just nothing Yeah, really necessarily be. in one spot. Yeah, it seems as though they are attached to things. It does range in sightings and interactions depending on the entity or even the energy that it has to produce to do something, which is apparent, I guess, as to what they can but produce. They can be attached. Some people say graveyard. Some people say the house yeah. that they lived in for a long time or were killed in. It can be something that they personally owned and were attached to. It really varies greatly as to what they're attached to. So as far as what they're attached to, it could be exactly that. A house person that they're attached to in life where they died, depending on how they died, if they know that they've died. An object even, as we see with Annabelle, except that that was a demon. And also probably not real. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. As we learned on the last episode. And if you haven't listened, go back and listen to that one. And you'll know who Annabelle is. Didn't know that already. So just generally something that they're attached to. And these guys will interact with you. So given a good old seance or Ouija board or something like that, you see people with tape recorders and fancy technology asking questions to spirits that sometimes get creepy answers to that they didn't want to because they're so creepy. You'll see this and it, it really varies on these. And sightings and interactions with these guys also vary greatly. They can become full visible as if you're seeing a person in front of you which can be a full body operation it can vary and it can be a see-through body it can be the upper torso of a body it could be a head so it really depends 
as I've been saying a lot throughout this paragraph. You could hear speaking or making noises. They can touch you or emit odors, which could be perfume and cigar smoke. And sometimes they're more subtle and can simply be just a drop in temperature in the room or just the feeling of somebody else in the room. These guys aren't going to be threatening to you. I mean, they can have imposing angry spirits, but they don't really cause too big of a threat as much as another human being would cause a threat to you as far as we know they haven't killed anybody as far as we know and i mean yeah exactly and maybe that's what i was thinking about when i was thinking of all the shit disturbing i could do (laughs) there's other ways that these guys can manifest i didn't really touch on it too much because i'm really just talking about spirits here some people see them manifest in things like finding coins around and seeing butterflies around i think that's more symbolism from somebody who's passed on and coming through in dreams but i don't know if that's so much a haunting I don't know if it would constitute the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it would constitute the same thing, but I just wanted to make a quick mention of it. As far as examples of this, I didn't really find any particular. I think we talked about a lot of them. Yeah. Like I had examples of how they go, but I don't have a particular, like this was a like nice haunting that happened. So with that, I'm going to move on. Okay. The next type of haunting is a residual haunting, which I think are really cool. Residual haunting is like an imprint on time versus what I just talked about of the spirit of someone who was once alive. So it's like a movie that's replaying over and over and over again. So it could be an image or it could be a sound. And these events that are replaying are going to be something significant in which left in print time. So usually it's going to be a traumatic event or an event which carries some really high emotions. So these could be things such as battlefields, crime scenes, areas related to violence, shipwrecks, those that are waiting for a significant other to return from like war, for example, on things like that. You see, if you see a ghost that you see wandering up and down a hallway on certain events, just pacing the hall waiting for someone to return. That's an example of a residual haunting. It's not always the case that it can create an impression simply by an event being repeated over and over again. A good example of this is how many haunted staircases there are. Staircases are somewhere that get a lot of, especially in old houses, these are places where you see a lot of people coming and going up and down the staircase. So you see a lot of high traffic there and staircases are typically very what's the word i'm looking for spooky spooky (laughs) and high traffic ghost areas yeah that's the word so they're not intelligent and there's literally no interaction with these spirits these are imprints and the entities are literally not aware of their surroundings if you were to talk to them they would go about their business if you were to stand in their way they would pass through we walk right through you they have no idea whereas the other type i were talking about they would either disappear or interact with you in some way this can be even specters of living beings as it's an imprint on time so (laughs) the example that i used on this one is me going to the fridge when i was working at home during covid (laughs) 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 that that could be one that haunts this house when i leave definitely (laughs) even if you're still alive exactly Um, now are these types of hauntings always visual no they can be sounds okay i think really though 
would you watch a movie that's about a sound haunting? Well, there's a movie called Poltergeist. And... Yeah, but that one's not sound. Yeah, I know. I mean, you could watch uh, it with I, the... I more so meant, like, is there ever anything, like, attached to a door opening? Yes. Okay. So a residual yeah, haunting could be a door actually opening. It could be. They do have sounds. It could be a door opening. Like, if somebody took a pathway of, you know, the woman waiting for her husband or whatever to come back from war... Um, I don't have a specific example, but she could be walking through a hallway, opening a door and closing it. It does include that. Is there a chance that a particularly good fireworks show becomes residual and you can see it later on? I would imagine if it was like that good of a fireworks show. I don't know that the fireworks show itself. Just the Maybe. guy who was coordinating yeah, it. That's going to look so lame. Oh, either the guy coordinating it or that would be a pretty funny one. Or someone watching it if it like made that good of an impression on them. Or no, I can't say that because I feel like residual hauntings are more. Yeah, I guess it could be. It would have had to have made that big of an impression yeah. on it, somebody. It, it, it's not always just the individual doing the haunting in these situations either. Like they can have inanimate objects attached to them as well during these hauntings. Yeah. And you make a good segue because there's many theories to what exactly it is. The first is obviously human emotion that's tied to traumatic events, exciting things like fireworks, just anything that holds very strong emotion. So you would think that it would be tied to human emotions, right? But there's other theories that tie it to there's so many of them they're actually some of them are pretty good some tie it to building materials that are used on certain buildings and their ability to absorb energy and store it as an imprint this could be certain types of stone such as quartz quartz is a really big one when it comes to paranormal activity some tie it to barometric pressure or temperature even stating that these type of hauntings occur more in winter months opposed to summer months due to the connection to static electricity that's in the air some tie them to the full moon it can affect tides so why can't it affect residual energy and another connection is water. So a great deal of locations that have these residual hauntings are in close proximity to water, be it rivers, lakes, or underground water sources. And water can conduct electricity, so why not residual energy? And that's been a thing that I've said in all of these. Why not residual energy? Yeah. Um, also, I just think we have a very bad idea of how time actually works. Exactly. And so these, none of these are things that we know... How they're working. I mean, all of these are examples of how we have no idea how the universe actually works. A lot of people just want to say, like, it's a hoax, it doesn't exist. But obviously, there's something going on here, which we just straight up don't understand. And I think enough of calling it a hoax, why don't we just figure out what's going on here because obviously it's just something that science isn't up to the standards of yet so a lot of residual hauntings as well there's famous like trains that go past famous boats that are seen in the distance which is there's your water again hey there's um, a famous horse ghost in edmonton yeah a horse ghost that's a perfect one because i don't know animals unless they're like pets i always thought that that stuff. could also be it's the traumatic experience that somebody's reliving 
of seeing a horse yeah. die in the construction of a hotel. Sorry, the Hotel McDonald in Edmonton is haunted with a horse ghost. So everybody's yeah. on the same page with us. Among, <laughs> among, I didn't know what you were talking about. Yes, Maybe we should bring everyone else, else in. On yeah. <laughs> or not. Or it we're is just going to start doing an inside joke <laughs> podcast. That's good too. Yeah. I wonder if we get listeners for that. <laughs> they would. <laughs> They would just cherish the day that we let them in and the show would be closed. Yeah, but we would never do that. No. Things like that. I mean, I guess there's pets that would have a higher intelligence. Would it be? Oh, I don't the know only one I've would... ever heard of is the horse ghost. I'm sure there are like dog ghosts or cat Like ghosts, something but... like that, though, which I can't exactly remember the horse ghost. I believe it was just, you know, spotted there because it had died during the construction of the hotel. Apparently McDonald's. you can hear it kind of freaking out. In the uh, something the like that to me would be a residual haunting. And that is so creepy. Could you imagine waking up to a horse? The sound out? of, yeah, a horse like dying. That's kind of yeah, creepy. That would be terrifying. I would not like to stay at the Hotel McDonald. Hear that. One example that I had when I thought, what's an iconic residual haunting that would happen? What better one than Gettysburg, the largest battlefield in North America? Now, I couldn't find one specific haunting due to lack of time. With this one, Gettysburg is just one of those renownedly, famously... I just really like how I put those two words together right there. But... Yeah. <laughs> They added, um, don't worry. Yeah, like you just need to know how haunted it is. And those two words just got it across, I felt at that time. Just super haunted place in North America. Obviously, a lot of fatalities there, war was happening there, a lot of emotion built up there. And there are numerous accounts of lone soldiers walking, post battles of soldiers firing at each other in the fields, amongst many other residual hauntings associated with this battle. So this one has a lot of residual hauntings associated with it. And so my last section with the human influence, do you want to guess what it is? Human influence. Is it poltergeist? It is. Okay. I said human influence for a reason. Yes, as it does um, mean ghost in German. So, so This one is so cool. And Taylor speaks German, so he knew it. <laughs> Nine. Poltergeist is German words poltern, which is to make sound or to rumble, and geist, which is ghost. We yeah, it together. I mean, you can have a different meaning than that. Like in the term zeitgeist, it doesn't mean ghost. It means something yeah. else, but I don't I know so. German. I'm just it's making like that clear to everybody. I don't, in fact, know German. <laughs> Knows language. <laughs> English. <laughs> I speak the English. Good. <laughs> so put together, this makes noisy spirit. These types of hauntings are what you're going to see mostly in scary movies because they're going to be the most unnerving. And they're really kind of the most cool haunting. Not They're that the easiest, especially like going along because you didn't have to worry about CGI. You just had a door yeah. open or yeah. a vase fall. So it both yeah. creates suspense because nothing's there and also is cheaper to do than CGI. But it's also in those creepy encounters that it's just like something a human couldn't do. In the amount of time or like the precision of it, which I'll get into. Yeah. I'm giving Actually, you spoilers. On, on our subreddit, one of the first things I did post was a fairly good video. And I'm, I'm using that term loosely because I haven't done any investigation into it. It just looks like a very good representation of a poltergeist haunting. I remember, I think you told me, showed me that one. Yeah. Often times the act 
activity for poltergeists will start and end unexpectedly and grow in intensity as it goes along, um, as if it's feeding on something. These poltergeists will come with the most activity out of most of these type of hauntings, be it right now I'm referring to the human aspects of the hauntings. What would you look for in a poltergeist haunting? What would this look like? You have disappearing or appearing object. Let's say, for example, you put an object down and, you know, I put my glass of wine down here. I know where my wine is. My wine's there. And I look to go pick it back up again and it's gone. Nowhere to be found. Sometimes this is found weeks or even months later exactly where it was left or shortly after in an obscure location such as on top of a bookshelf or what have you for any other obscure location you could think of. It's up with the dishes or something like that. Yeah. It's in the fireplace. Yeah. Yeah. Like somewhere you like would not have misplace this thing this also with appearing objects includes an example such as pennies raining down from the ceiling oh just really things that are it's purely physical you're not seeing anything you'll hear things but that's just like doors slamming it does have no it doesn't you're right yeah no you're not seeing apparitions or anything yeah because at that point it becomes something above that yeah does yes and there are as i'll get into in a few minutes these can also be associated with other types of hauntings and Um, all of these can be long term or they can be short term as well poltergeists don't tend to be extremely long term i don't know that they go on more than two or three years so other attributes of poltergeist includes objects levitating or being thrown so this one obviously speaks for itself but it, it just you know to give you an example if you want it you can visualize it in your head it includes books flying off the shelf dolls moving chairs or even heavier objects levitating off the floor even people levitating off the floor are associated with poltergeist scents and odors i think that really hits on every single one that i've done so i yeah. don't know that i even should have included it because i put it on everyone so really you're looking at the overall what is this thing doing if you're having a haunting see you know what's up yeah um, and so I know there's mm-hmm. a big one in uh, the Skinwalker Ranch profile of the wife of the house. She was unpacking groceries and she'd leave the room and come back and the groceries would all be repacked. Yeah. Or things like... So it like- can almost be like trickster-like activity. Yeah. Or you leave the room for a second and you come back and all the cupboards are open and you didn't hear a sound. Trickster is exactly right. That's the exact right term for it that I didn't have anywhere in this. So yeah, scents and odors are associated with this. Fume cologne, pea soup, flowers, you know, stuff like that. Um, electrical interference. So this could be lights flickering, TVs or radios or whatever turning on randomly at very high or very low volumes when you're not anywhere close to the remote or the battery may not even be in the remote. Power from nowhere, which falls into what I just said as well. So this could be things like electronics that haven't worked in years suddenly coming to life, such as clocks, toys turning on without prompt or even without batteries. Random noises. Again, this is self-explanatory, but this could be footsteps where there's no one else in the house or banging on a door wall when um, there's no one else there. The poltergeist does also have physical attacks. It is more severe 
when it does happen, it can include scratches, objects being thrown at people, people being punched have been reported. People being pushed downstairs. Yeah, not always nice. They do, in more extreme cases, start fires. And like we were talking about earlier, it can include the manipulation of objects. So stacking of objects such as chairs or even bent spoons. The poltergeist in the movie Poltergeist stacked things, correct? Yes. And if you do a quick Google, and possibly if I remember to do so when we're posting the social media to this, there are quite a few really creepy poltergeist photos, not of a poltergeist itself, but of creepy stack objects. When you return to the room, even after a second, and everything will be completely rearranged. There's just something of that inhuman aspect to it that makes it so super creepy. To just get into it a little, these hauntings do tend to a majority of them center around teenagers. However, it's not the rule and it does happen to those of all ages who are stable. However, it is attributed to hormonal changes and telekinetic energy, which is the movement of objects only with the mind. And with the case of poltergeist, it's unknowingly with the mind to people who this is affecting. It does tend to be associated to specific people who are causing this. Not saying that's necessarily it, because obviously it's something that's an unknown. However, it does seem to be tied to certain builds up in energy tied to certain people who are causing this. And, and that's yeah, especially in those situations, it does tend to disappear with time. Yeah. They say that it does tend to go away if the person, if you figure out the person that it's tied to, and they kind of figure out that this is like a doing of their own. It can be tied even to, in some instances of this, kids who are going through some sort of traumatizing event and also going through hormonal changes. So say parents who are fighting a lot and are going through a divorce or something like that, it can be tied to kids like that. When they're going through these, you know, changes and then they're upset over a situation in which their parents are fighting and, you know, they're thinking upon something with the things so hard that something manifests itself. We got a comment in chat. Is it? Yeah. Is it not the alien gray screwing with people's minds of deception? Which this is all, yeah, this is all unexplained stuff. At least, I mean, that's a good a, as yeah, definition of anything. Point of view, but yeah, it can be kind of taken into a more holistic look at the entire phenomenon that is the paranormal. It really could be. I mean, I really could definitely like that. be lead poisoning as well. Sorry, he said, or maybe eating too many paint chips. <laughs> paint chips or too many mushrooms by accident yes and we will get into that answer as well <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah it could be i mean i do like that answer for it because really we don't know where it's coming from we don't know where any of this is coming yeah, from. yeah we, we don't know don't where the grays any... are coming from either yeah it, it i mean might as well be the grace last one that i have tied in with the human kind of spirits are orbs and funnels who are the most famously photographed of the normal that true yeah, yeah oh yeah generally they get described as or sorry uh, lens flares or uh, will-o'-the-wisps as well yeah exactly which i think i put in here these orb guys appear as glowing hovering balls of light in photographs which are usually glowing white or blue 
A can be funnel ghosts or vortex, which appears wisps of light or swirling spirals of light in pictures. And they usually appear in photographs where either something else entirely was seen or nothing at all was seen there at the time the photograph was taken. And there are various theories as to what this could be. The most popular one that I saw actually for what these are, are traveling ghosts, which seem to be... They're just on their way to the next haunt? Just traveling, like with their suitcases going on vacation okay i don't know this is just me but i just feel like this is how spirits show up on film maybe it's i mean most of the time it's probably a lens flare or a piece of dust that's caught on film there are some interesting ones that are caught before anything was very highly high technology or anything yeah and that's it's, just, it's so hard being retrospective on these as well when you're like looking through the film yeah. and saying i didn't see this when it i took the picture because yeah, um, it still could it really could have been there or it could have been something that happened in the process afterwards it really could be but it could be just like ufos i mean if one of them and there is anomalous then it's anomalous that's the end of my human vectors now, Second, a few terms yes. did come up in this. I They might come up a little later on, but I did want to just okay. touch on them because we have okay. used them before. So, but, seance. Yeah. Did I say that? Yeah. In the first part, you said sometimes seances are involved in bringing nice. people out. Yeah, nice. So, what is a seance? What is it? Did I use it right? I don't know. I'm asking you. <laughs> oh, no. Seance. A so, seance is generally done through a medium with people gathered around a table drawing together the energy of the whatever is about the area. You already more or less. <laughs> You were setting me up. Yeah, I don't know that you necessarily need a medium. I don't even know if seances are something. You need someone to lead. That's yeah. definitely part of it. Generally, I'm going to say it's a medium, which brings us into another definition we'll have to touch on. I'm on it. Okay. Do seances happen anymore? They don't really, which is a darn shame because they used to be like all the rage. Many presidents back in the day went with their spouses to seances, but Houdini actually put a lot of effort into debunking the seances that were going on at the time. And basically after the 1930s, 1940s, they kind of became defunct occult work. Yeah. I mean, I guess it was just like going to the movies back in the day. It was just like something fun to go out and do. And I can't say that I wouldn't go out to a seance instead of going to an escape room if they still existed. Yeah. And what was the name of those sisters? Was it the Fox sisters? Fox sisters. Yeah. Yeah. Who they made a pretty penny give, hosting seances. And a lot of people swear up and down that they definitely faked them. I believe one of the Fox sisters also said it too, correct? We would have to do an entire episode on them, though. To no, I don't know that I touched that that hard on the Fox sisters as to that. Because it was more about HPB at that time. But I don't know. I actually just listened to an episode on the Fox sisters on some podcast just the other day. I can't remember. I mean, you're going to get some going either direction on. Yeah, I just couldn't like remember this. if one of them had ratted out the other as being. I don't know. Uh, I can't say off the top of my head. Okay. Well, then I shall they retract well that statement. <laughs> <laughs> and we might have to do that. We'll just edit it out if we're retracting it. Yeah, it sounds good. Or we'll leave it in. So, to show that we retract. <laughs> <laughs> a medium. Practice of purportedly mediating communication between spirits of the dead and the living human beings. Practitioners are known as mediums or spirit mediums. And there are different types of mediumships or spirit channeling, including seance tables, trance, and Ouija. Words. Ouija. Yeah. 
Ouija. It, like, I think it's Ouija, though. Well, There's that's not how we say it. <laughs> I say Ouija. It looks like Ouija. So I just said it the way I saw it. And um, somebody in chat has also said, you need someone with a neutral aura to perform a seance, which I didn't know. Wait. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. It's just posted in chat. Also, just when we're talking about mediums right now, there's kind of different groups that are kind of associated with mediums, but not necessarily the same things. That being people with ESP, extrasensory perception, which is generally thought of as more of a telekinetic, being able to move things with your mind or being able to read minds, ESP. Which and is tied into poltergeist. Sometimes, yes. Yeah. yeah. And then at the other end of it, you have seers, whereas seers are more so people who are believe they can see the future. Is that like the department store? Close. Two E's. Okay. Sears. Yes. Sears. Okay. And they might have had a better fortune had they had a Sears at Sears. Okay. Gotcha. Yes. Anything else we wanted to find? Generally, when you have ghost hunters go out there, they talk about EMF, which is electromagnetic uh, frequencies. And that is, uh, they'll do a little search of the house to see if it gives off certain magnetic frequencies. I'll, I'll talk a bit about that in a bit. Okay. Generally, they associate ghost activity with EMF, or at least a different EMF than you would find in natural environments. The other thing we can probably tie in at this point, did you do EVP? I was just going to talk about that, but you can go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, I'm put on the spot. I didn't define it. Okay. Um, I, I know it stands for electronic voice phenomenon. Yes. And that is basically where you would have a, a neutral white noise playing or something with just static. It doesn't have anything coherent in it. Being able to hear a voice coming from it. Generally, when you're seeing this with ghost hunters, they will be asking questions while they're walking around holding a tape recorder. And that tape recorder, they will go back and listen to it. And they will say that they hear somebody answering the questions in that tape recorder. And this is going to be typical of something that is an intelligent spirit of a human spirit or something else. Something with intelligence, though. It's not going to be. It's not going to happen with the uh, residual, residual haunting. haunting. Yeah, that's not going to answer. You might that. have EMF, but you will not have EVP. There might be yeah. something magnetically attached there. There very well could be. I move on to inhuman spirit. Yeah, I think that's good. I don't like talking about these guys, so it's going to be non, as fast as I can non make Non-ghost horses, too. Yeah, I don't think they're inhuman. Or, I mean, they're not human, I mean, but they're I, not. No, they're not centaur ghosts. Yeah, so the reason I'm not qualifying ghost horses into this is because inhuman spirits are spirits who have never walked the earth. Horses have. These can include angelic beings, elemental beings, and I'm not going to talk about elemental spirits here because that's going to be probably an entire episode on its own at one point and i'm not even going to open that can of worms on this one because that'll just go on forever so the first inhuman spirit that i have is shadow people which is a large category and basically and we'll probably be an episode on itself at some point yeah it will unfortunately it's going to be a scary episode for me <laughs> <laughs> so we might have to schedule this one for the morning time. It's a large category and basically it comes in all shapes and sizes. But overall, these shadow people look like a shadow on the ground, but they're walking around. They the are a three-dimensional shadow that can move. Sometimes yeah. they are against the wall, but for the most part, they are a three-dimensional shadow of something that can move. I really took it and just put it into what I was actually trying yeah. to get across here. So they completely lack facial features or any definition other than an outline. Usually you can't 
see that they're wearing clothes other than in certain specific individuals who have been named such as hat man who i'm not gonna get into because he freaks me out <laughs> some appear as black blobs other appear as shadows as i just talked about that you would see three-dimensional but like ground shadows just like walking around I personally don't want to encounter a shadow person. Between Taylor and I, we both listen to a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Yeah. When it comes to shadow people, my personal opinion is it is a shadow of a fourth dimensional being. But that's a, yeah. that's a whole other thing. Yeah. My opinion on it is that most shadow people are just an imprint between a dimension type thing. But this is not my personal experience. This is my interpretation of a lot of things that I've heard over the years and research that I've done. So Generally, I've, from what I've seen, you don't want to acknowledge shadow people because what they're looking for is an acknowledgement. Yeah, I would say that that goes with most things of this sort. Which is why As you're so nervous talking about this, because the simple fact <laughs> a lot of people say of talking about them is enough to bring about. But it is. And even with poltergeist, you see it once it starts and it starts getting attention, then it starts to really take off and intensify. Oh, it's like a frustrated toddler. If you acknowledge yeah. the tantrum and give it candy or what it wants, then it's going to do it again. Yeah, we got the shadows walking around. Others report them to be looking as if they're made up of black smoke, which reminds me a lot of the djinn. Only kind of, because they're made from... Smokeless fire. That was it. I just got confused. <laughs> so some but reports... still, it kind of reminds me of the Jin too, for some unknown reason. Yeah. So that's kind of what you're looking for with shadow people. They are known to do things differently than ghosts, and they do also appear to be extremely intelligent as well. But they're intelligent in a different way in which they will manipulate. And something that's quite common with shadow people is a feeling of dread. Clairvoyants who encounter shadow people report that they don't appear to be human and they're categorized as inhuman and non-human by clairvoyance which i thought was interesting i never actually had heard anything from them on shadow people before i don't think yeah and it really depends on which culture you ask because if you're asking somebody from a muslim yeah. background they're gonna say it's just all jinn yeah like everything that we just talked about jinn which we may or may not cover in the future but i really think i uh, i forget her name but she did the podcast hidden jinn Hmm. Coming from that culture, she does a great Abia job. Chaudhry, I think. Yes. yes she did she a good has job. some really good podcasts. I at least really like her first season. She's doing an interview style second season, which I, I'm not I was a huge fan of yet, but we'll see how it goes. She actually does. She's a lawyer, I believe. She was a lawyer, at least. I don't know if she still is, but she did a crime-based podcast. She did. That. It was actually really good. I listened to her thing on, I don't know, because that's not what our podcast is about right now. <laughs> it was really good, though. <laughs> so on a very just because I have to because we're doing shadow people right now and I'm talking about inhuman which I even feel uncomfortable bringing up is demons and I don't even want to touch on it but as briefly as possible since I'm on the topic demons can disguise themselves as pretty much anything and even make you think that they're friendly and they're for good reasons as I touched on above shadow people can do the same thing to make you feel like they're protecting you and can change on you very quickly as they're liars and manipulators um, what's the name of the demon that is supposed to haunt um, the Ouija boards Zaza or something like that? I don't even want to say it. It's something okay. like that. Okay. So this is about as in detail as I like to get speaking on the subject of demons, but 
While I'm on the subject, I just want to say if you don't know what you're doing or how to protect yourself, I would recommend not attempting contact with any type of entity being ghost, poltergeist, residual haunting or anything like that because you never know what it's going to be. And when you initiate contact with something, you're giving it power and you're inviting it in. And that's not something that you want to do. So I am going to have to sage after this. It and, freaks me out even yeah. talking about it. I mean, if you're going to do it, at least get your master's in haunted house painting beforehand, yeah. which is a reference back to our previous episode, just in case anybody's yeah. wondering. I dropped a few for reference and invite yourself into some people's houses. I think you can talk about types of hauntings when it comes to those things, though, because there's a type mm-hmm. of haunting that's really more unique to this non-human version of it, which is possessions. Yeah, I didn't even look at it. I mean, I can talk about it a little bit. I mean, it's things, and especially with as much as I don't want to talk about Hatman. So Hatman is this shadow dude that people see, and he's he's always wearing some sort of hat, like a fedora or something like that. And there are people that feel protected by him, that he shows up at a time of need for them, which... I mean, I think that says a lot for something that's inhuman to be showing up in a time of need for somebody when they're going through something, a death in the family, or when they're going through circumstances which aren't ideal, that this thing is showing up and they're comforted by it. It kind of feeds off that energy, but then it kind of takes the stance that it is like I said, just you're getting this feel, it turns on them and it's a feel of dread all of a sudden that you get as soon as you spot it. It kind of feeds on that. And it's the same with possessions. They are technically, not technically, but they're looking for openings, which is why I don't want to even say <laughs> say a demon's name um, because it gives it power. It's looking for anything that it can to leech off of a human and it's looking for hosts, essentially. And why, I don't know. I guess they're just looking for the power that we have, I guess, is what I could say, essentially. I think it is interesting to say at this point that the Catholic Church still have an arm of it that does deal with uh, possession and exorcisms. And the exorcism is the removal of whatever is plaguing your body from a possession. Yeah, and exorcisms appear over many, many different cultures. It's not just Catholics. I mean, I guess it's shocking that Catholics are of all religions. But they come up in different ways and it definitely has dropped how often they occur with the increase in mental health that we've done research into i would say that yeah and with both of the warrens being seized now yes (laughs) sorry (laughs) and probably with i mean i don't know that people i I wonder what the stats are on that if people are as religious as they used to be oh they're definitely not as we go on i feel like witches are less blamed for things demons are less blamed on things and science evolves and we figure out what's happening i don't think it changes that there's actually something supernatural afoot in the world just maybe not so much i guess with science and psychologists and more resources for mental health. And schizophrenia can definitely look like at times you are possessed. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of things. Or even Tourette's. Yeah, definitely. But I didn't go into it that much. I actually didn't do it at all. So this okay. is just me 
It's just a little ad living, yeah. Yeah, that's all that was. Yeah, and if if you want more information on demonology, you should go to the expert Edward Warren, for he knows that and haunted houses apparently. Yeah, and nice paintings, but not the demons. Can't paint the demons. Can he paint the demons? I don't know that he has. Okay, it's not his forte. Okay, I think. I don't know. And this is also something I'm ad-libbing as well. I wonder if like the old Hague and sleep paralysis is tied to shadow people. I just, I have a gut feeling that it is. There's a whole lot that old Hague syndrome is tied to. Old Hague syndrome is a more dated term for sleep paralysis. And it comes back to a time when people would wake up and it actually passes through a lot of cultures that it is named something like this, where you would wake up, you can't move and something is sitting on your chest. In English, it was an old hag. Yeah. And I don't know that it would specifically translate into old hag, but we and you both know somebody very close to us who has experienced this on multiple occasions. Maybe they could be a guest. Okay. (laughs) But to me, just in the experience that they've had, and I've listened to so much on this, me, it seems like, yes, there's something more going on and just, you know, waking up and can't move. Because, like, why would there just be someone in the room with you? Well, a part of it is how our brain operates while we sleep. Because different parts of your brain shut off while you're going into different parts of sleep. And that's kind of why, like, when you're having dreams, sometimes you can't remember them for a long time. And then you remember them vividly. Or you can only remember them for a short time after you've fallen asleep. Or you actually sleepwalk. is because different parts of your brain do shut off during they go into rest mode during sleep. So sometimes your long term memory shuts off. So you can't remember your dreams long term or the short term memory shuts off, but the long term is still there. And that's why sometimes you can remember it only just after you woke up or you don't remember it all until you time has gone by. And then your motor skills can not turn off sometimes while you're sleeping. That would be sleepwalking, which you had a problem with when you were little. (laughs) I still do sometimes. Okay. Or the verbal part of your brain, because you have conversations in your sleep. Jen does this quite a lot, is she has conversations with somebody. I I hear them all, but it's not with me. It's in her dream. Yeah, I think that would be a really interesting thing to do in the future. As a future episode, it's just like sleep things. Yeah. Because I can talk a lot to sleepwalking because I'm a notorious sleepwalker. But in the meantime, if you want to learn more about the whole science behind sleep, there is a great Joe Rogan interview. It's about three hours long with a yeah, with a sleep professor, more or less. Oh, that would be good to listen to. I think it would really be fun to talk about sleep paralysis and sleepwalking and dreams and stuff in one episode. And deja vu is a hell of a weird thing, isn't it? I always say it's my theory. I've never heard this anywhere else that deja vu is just like for you. I Okay, let's just leave that for a different episode, maybe. Yeah, we can leave that for a different episode. I think we just went on a really but, long yeah, tangent. Yeah, we did. Um, <laughs> with Old Hag, the best guess is that basically you're waking up from the sleep, but certain parts of your brain haven't switched on. So your motor skills haven't switched back on. So you are paralyzed. But the visual hallucinations that you get from sleep haven't switched off yet so you're seeing things in the room and you're kind of helpless to what's going on with the dream i think that's so funny though because why are so many people seeing the same thing it is interesting and i can't say like i am an expert sleepwalker i've never seen something like that while i was sleepwalking aside from one time i woke up and i saw a grim reaper that's like 
totally different. And I wasn't freaked out by him. I just went back to sleep. Okay. I'll just leave you to think about that. For okay. <laughs> for dreams, that's about where we can cap that one off. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, I had nothing else. <laughs> okay. I just want to touch on a couple things. One thing that might come up, and I know I put it in our kind of preamble to our show, is the term tulpa. A tulpa is a manifestation of an idea that is thought hard enough between a group of people. I think that's the simplest way to say it. So if there's yeah. ever like, say, a Santa sighting in the night sky on Christmas Eve, that would be what people would consider a tulpa or enough people thinking about something that it physically manifests within the world itself. It yeah. comes from Tibetan culture, at least the idea of a tulpa. Anything to add to that? Not really. I just have questions about why we don't see Santa now. <laughs> Well, not everybody does. It's quite sad. There definitely have been Santa sightings. We could cover that around Christmas. Really? I actually have? Yeah. We're about to digress again. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do the research for this one. <laughs> okay. That's a really good one. I have to make a note of it right now. Okay. The other thing I wanted to touch on is kind of how science explains away some of these, or at least the skeptical view of what happens in some of these situations. The first and foremost one I'm going to talk about is carbon monoxide poisoning, which is yeah. incredibly dangerous. Everybody should have a carbon monoxide detector somewhere in their house. Please go get one if you don't. Prior to this episode coming out, we need to get a deal with a carbon monoxide manufacturer. But in the meantime... I wonder if we could because I also need one. <laughs> I had one somewhere and I don't know where it went. In the meantime, one of the symptoms of carbon monoxide poisoning is confusion and paranoia. So people will think that they're being watched. They don't remember what they did. So they misplace things and they think things have been stolen. There are actual like posts on Reddit of people saying that I think somebody's living in my house. And then um, it actually turns out that they just had carbon monoxide, a high amount in their, what? their living space. Yeah. So they were super paranoid and like food went missing. They didn't remember eating it because so, they were confused and a little bit paranoid. So yeah, the big one for poltergeist activity, especially when it's physical actions that you don't think you did get explained away as possible carbon monoxide issues. Interesting. And because especially and you scary. don't yeah, you don't remember closing that door or you don't remember where you put that wine. It must have been moved, but it's just because there's something going wrong with your brain at that time. Oh no. Yeah. So that's why it's good to have the carbon monoxide detector. <laughs> need to get one that you can at least blame the ghosts the noisy ghosts <laughs> exactly not the fact that you're being poisoned yeah the next one that comes up a lot because what you'll see in a lot of these hauntings is that they happen in older buildings <laughs> one of the more commonly used ones within at least a skeptical field is and sorry i'm just looking for the right word so i can make sure that i use it correctly use the wrong word i want to use the right word make, thank you very much make it funner either mold or some type of fungus growing in the walls. Uh, we know with a lot of them that first off, yeah, they can lead to poisonings. They can lead to severe breathing issues, but certain types of mold and certain types of fungus can in some people lead to hallucinations. And if you're in an area where you had heard somebody saw this thing and you have inhaled something that's going to make you hallucinate or see something or feel that you see something, there's a chance yeah, you're more likely to be um, open to that happening and being able to see 
see it. Yeah, and that, that is sense. one reason that they say why in older buildings, especially people see that. That's a good three. I don't know if ghost hunters ever check for that. That ends up being a little more invasive than people would generally be willing to do with their older style homes. Well, especially ghost hunters. They yeah. don't want to do that. Interesting. Um, yeah. Next up, have you ever heard of infrasound? Yeah. Isn't that what bats have? No, that's sonar. Oh, yes. I don't know that I've heard of it. Then. Okay. So infrasound is any sound that's below the human's hearing range. Okay. Generally, that's considered 20 kilohertz or lower. It has been shown to have effects on the human body, despite the fact that we can't actually hear it. Interesting. This can be feelings of dread. This can be nausea. It's all over the map. And this is just a fairly famous example I'm going to go over. In 1998, Vic Tandy, an experimental officer and part-time lecturer in the School of International Studies and Law at Coventry University, and Dr. Tony Lawrence of the Psychology Department wrote a paper called Ghosts in the Machine for the Journal of Society for Psychical Research, and they cited infrasound as the cause of apparitions seen by staff at a so-called haunted laboratory in Warwick. Several years earlier, Tandy was working late in the haunted Warwick laboratory. It was colloquially believed to be haunted by everybody working in this laboratory. Working late one evening in the Warwick laboratory when he saw a gray thing coming for him. I felt the hair raise on the back of my neck. He said it seemed to be between me and the door, so the only thing I could do was turn and face it. But the thing disappeared. However, it appeared in a different form the next day when Tandy was doing some work on his fencing foil. The handle was clamped in a vise on a workbench, yet the blade started vibrating like mad, he said. He wondered why the blade vibrated in one part of the room, but not in another. The explanation he discovered was that the infrasound was coming from an extractor fan. When we finally switched it off, it was as if a huge weight was lifted from my back. It makes me think that one of the applications of this ongoing research could be the link between infrasound and sick building syndrome. Now, one thing that he didn't touch on is he saw a lot of like black apparitions in his field of view. And this fan in the laboratory was vibrating at 18.98 kilohertz just outside of the human's hearing zone, but was fully attributed by everybody who went into that laboratory as what was causing them to believe it was haunted. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, but depending on like what level it vibrates at, it can even cause visual hallucinations. So fragile. Yeah, that's one thing. And they don't necessarily check for it in any of the haunting shows. Oh, is they should be going in there looking for what type of sounds they can hear. And uh, this can be from a pipe that vibrates or this even comes from earthquakes and nuclear explosions. It could literally be anything. It could yeah. be natural or not natural. Yeah, exactly. It could be it's the so wind crazy. comes in at just the wrong angle and it gets that. I've never, level. I've never heard it put that way before that it can cause like hallucinations. I know at one point they were putting like outside of like 7-Elevens or something like that where kids tended to loiter they put like sounds that only like young people could hear yeah so that they wouldn't loiter there i know like there's uses of sounds like that but nothing i've never heard anything to do with hallucinations that's crazy i do think it, it does give a reason to think that there's a a normal answer to a, a lot of these not all of them for sure yeah but it would be something to at least consider and i don't think i've ever seen it especially when you watch those ghosts no shows. i've never, never i don't know that i've that. never heard anything to do with sound on there i mean i've heard of sound before but never in a way that it causes hallucinations that's a pretty good one yeah and the last thing i really wanted to talk about is uh we talked about it a bit it, emf 
um, electrical magnetic frequencies. There has been some research done into this. A Canadian neuroscientist by the name of Michael Persinger, he had what's called the God's helmet. And he would put this on people's head and he would run an EMF. I couldn't remember the precise frequencies they're going at through this helmet. And people would always say they would experience the sensation of God being in the room. What? It, it's a really weird one, but- I wonder what that feels like. It would be really weird. Now I need but to know the frequency. If there is residual EMF around the human body, it doesn't necessarily react in the ways you would expect. And a lot of these places have EMF. I just wanted to touch on that a little bit. It's a whole other episode that we really could do. That's and these that's are really cool. Yeah. And do, do you think God's like a 12? I don't know. This Feels also like ties in somewhat to the idea of not really having to do with hauntings, but electronic fog, where people experience going into this fog that messes with instruments, skews their perception of time, gets them lost. And really, people have strange experiences in electronic fog, which is, a, I believe it's a documented phenomena, but that's something that we will do an episode on at future time, just because there are so many different ones that have such interesting parts to them. Yeah, I don't know that it's necessarily just tied to ghosts and spirits. I just said no, goats, it's but not. I didn't mean to say goats. No, it can be tied anywhere from being out in the middle of a lake and getting lost for hours on end. It is tied to some UFO sightings and it is tied to slips in time sometimes as well, where people are flying planes and they fly over an area, get hit by that, and they feel like they're at a different time. Like they travel backwards 300 years in time or something like that. Hey, this is really cool stuff. Still want to know what the frequency of God is. I mean, I think people have been looking for that for a while. But yeah. that is definitely something we talk about the God helmet at some point. Right now, what we have is our lingo that everybody now leaves and we can just bring up willy nilly in any future episode. And we're not going to define it. We're just going to use it. We might just say see episode 24 or something at that point. Maybe not even that. Maybe you just got to know. Are we okay. on episode 24? Somewhere around there. I hope it's episode 24 or that's going to be awkward. <laughs> I might not even mention these words ever again because you should already know. But that's all we have for today. You have all left here a little wiser, a little more in tuned with the world around you and about 8% more attractive. Yeah, we're getting there. Thank you all for listening. We will see you next weekend with an episode that we have yet to discuss. It'll be a surprise for you too. But rest assured, it may contain one of these words just thrown in for good measure right in the Might. middle. Yeah, we're not. We'll see. Bye, everybody. Have a good night. Bye. Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. Uh, we are a new podcast, and we would very much so appreciate if you could like, subscribe, share, and if possible, provide a five-star review or some sort of feedback if you feel like there's anything we could be doing better. But five-star review is the best thing you can do for us, as it does help, unfortunately, in the world of algorithms. Yes. Please and thank you. And you can follow us on social media at Journey to the Fringe. We don't have all of them, so try searching it. Instagram, we're on Facebook. Right now we have a subreddit. And if there's anything you want to hear in the future, feedback, anything, you can email us at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. If there's something we're missing, 
uh, that you'd like to see us on, please let us know. We only know what we know. So we're only and in so many places. Also, if you feel that we have gotten anything wrong, please let us know there as well, as we would really like to have the best information possible. We are mm-hmm. only as good as our research. And if you can provide anything further, it's a real help. Or if you want to share anything, we yes. will definitely, we're open to shares. So yes, thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next episode.